Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Hour number two, OutKick 360, underway from 6th and Peabody with Ehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Glad you're with us. Coming up in 20 minutes, a discussion on the first round of the NFL draft and how it's shaping up and really will be dominated by not that many teams. We'll, we'll explain and kind of go through the first round this year and how weird the first round order looks right now based on all the trades. Headlines today, Whitney Merciless, uh, what, 10-year vet. He's announced he's not returning for an 11th season, retiring at the age of 31. Uh, just recently traded from Houston to Green Bay, worked his way back to be available for the postseason, and then now says he's retiring. So um, he joins a list of players that are retiring at an early age, or at least discussing retiring at an early age, and uh, was a very quality pass rusher for the Texans. Um, my first hurdle, shall we say, in my relationship with Taylor Lewan was over yes. Whitney Merciless when uh, I asked Mike Mike Malarkey, uh, Ken Wisenhunt, uh, something about uh, Malar- uh, Merciless beating Lawan, and then I put up a freeze frame, I think, of Merciless really beating Lawan. Lawan searched out the media room in the old uh, thing and came up to me, <laughs> sought it out, came and, and showed me it and said, what is this? And I said, it's a picture of Whitney Merciless beating your ass. <laughs> and, uh, At least you answered honestly. I said, yeah, uh, Ken Wisenhunt was just talking about it in his press conference five minutes ago. He was not we happy. Went, we went from there, yeah. Uh, but this is like, it was rookie year or the year rookie, after. I think it was rookie we, year. And we went from there. You just yada, 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 the, the best part. <laughs> well, our relationship built from there. Whatever it was, um, it was just before Ken Wisenhunt was fired. <laughs> no, no matter the timeline of it. Right based on how things uh, shaped up for, for Wiz. Um, did you see, Chad, the Braves have a burger that's $151? Yes, we discussed this when you were out of the room earlier. We yeah, ran Paul, through all the ingredients. Paul brought that up. Uh, let's, go through, let's go through what constitutes 100 It's $151? Is $151. that right? $151 yeah. for a burger. So it. the burger, it includes cold, uh, cold water lobster, lobster tail, a tomato, I mean, you've got to have a tomato on the burger, right? Cheddar cheese, um, truffle aioli on a toasted bun with Parmesan waffle fries on the side. Well, now, wagyu beef. Wa- yeah, that. wagyu is the, uh, the beef of choice King there. King of beef. Uh, $151. I showed him the burger. picture, and you know what he said? I, 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 we agreed it's, it's too unwieldy, unwieldy it's too and too much. expensive. And he said... Nevertheless, I'm intrigued. <laughs> I'm, I'm very intrigued. I, I would love to sample this burger. Uh, I'm not spending $151 on a, on a burger, uh, but if someone would like to buy it for me, <laughs> I'll gladly try it. It's definitely a knife and fork project. Yeah, I just, you know, 
a hamburger is meant to be eaten with both hands. That's the hand. In one bite, the right? Hamburger. Yes. Well, yeah, you're going with the hand, the hamburger. The hamburger is meant to be eaten. When it's that big and you can't even compress it, I'm looking at a picture of it now. I mean, when you stack the beef, it's really the lobster tail, I think, that, that makes Throws it that it high. And it's just, it's too much. It, it's too big. Too much I don't want to have to eat my, that burger with it. It would be good, but I mean, you're basically eating a beef, you know, a, a hamburger steak, lobster, and all the accoutrement around the burger, it's right? It's not a burger. You're it's not a eating sam- it. It's a yeah. sampler platter. Exactly. Also, how do you come up with $151? Like, why not just an even 150? Why is it going to be 151? I, I, I honestly was thinking, is there a significance to, to 151 that, in, Braves in Braves history? history? And I, I don't, I can't think of what that would be. I don't, I don't know. It's, it's very, why, why not just make it an even 150? I have to admit, I wasn't that hungry at the start of the show, and I am more hungry now, and it's becoming more appealing. Read your thoughts Looking on good. $151 hamburger. Uh, I'm with Trad. I will try it. It sounds good <laughs> to me, actually, the, except for the price. That's, You're right. I, I haven't paid that much for a meal in my entire life. Uh, but there's also the option for $25,000 that comes with a Braves World Series ring. <laughs> uh, that's probably much more cost-effective. <laughs> wow. You've got that, the... That, um, th- th- here's what I'll say about the burger also. There's not a single thing on it that I, I don't like. Like Usually when you get something that yeah. over-the-top sophisticated, that, that expensive, there's something on there that I w- would ask to not be on there. So the there's fo- not a single ingredient to that burger that I don't love. But the photo of it is not appealing at all because no. it looks like, I'm assuming that's lettuce, but it looks like deflated green balloons. And for some reason, it has the background of asparagus. They're thinking of calling it yeah, a it deflated green balloon burger. Yeah. That didn't pass testing. <laughs> this is our deflated green balloon, let- green balloon lettuce that we now put on this I'm burger. all about a fried egg on any type of sandwich. It really does. Uh, like, you might not think it. Like, eh, I'm not really in the mood for it. You get it. It's great. When did this become a thing? I feel like it's in the last 10 years. Maybe last. 15, I don't ever remember seeing a fried egg burger. on a burger until like ten years ago, and now if it's on the menu, I'm probably getting it. I had them at UVA back in the in the early '90s is where I first had it at the University of Virginia. Was late it like night, a late like night, a night diner burger? Yeah. yeah, and it was great. And I was skeptical as could be, and people were just like, "No, trust me," and they were trustworthy. Opening day for Major League Baseball is tomorrow. Some of the games are getting postponed, though, already due to weather. A yeah, couple Red of Sox is one of them. Yeah, that's one of them. Yep. And there, here we go on the, the trek to get every single game in, despite yeah. pushing it back I'm a surprised there are weeks. no doubleheaders tomorrow. Well, we've got uh, – it starts at 1.20 Central Time, 2.20 Eastern with the games. I, I want to go ahead and go through these games because I want to get Jacob Swanson's mind going yeah. on what crazy prop bets yep. we're going to make with Major League Baseball this year because tomorrow, I, I follow his lead on those. Tomorrow would not be a bad day off for a sports fan if you like baseball um, because you can watch Tiger yep. and yeah. opening day what, what, simultaneously. Uh, what, what strikeout over-unders are we going to go with tomorrow with Jacob Swanson at, at FanDuel? Brewers at Cubs at 1.20. Mets at Nationals at 3.05. These are all central time. Guardians, that's going to take a lot of getting used to. The Guardians at the Royals at 3.10. Pirates, Cardinals at 3.15. Reds, Braves, 7.08. Astros, Angels, 9.38. Padres, Diamondbacks, 9.40. Since we're getting into the why 151 and not 150, why 7.08 and not 7.05 or 7 o'clock? Pre-game show, I guess. 
Yeah, but still, yeah. Then run the pregame show to 7.05 or 7.10, not 7.08. That's an odd 9.38 p.m. is the start time for one of these games. 9.38. That's Anyway, that, I'll give that's you a pet a, peeve uh, of mine. I'll give you a prop bet here. Go ahead. Uh, I don't know what the Mets total is, bet under. <laughs> They've already got pitching injuries. Every time the Mets are stacked up to be a winner, they wind up being a loser. Their division is uh, pretty good. Chad, I, I think you, you'd more an authority on that. The Mets always underachieve, and their, their pitchers always get hurt. Yeah, it, should be, um, it should be a three-team division with Braves, Phillies, Mets this year. It's, I think it's going to be a two-team division, Braves and Phillies. And the, the Mets are now in the Nationals. Marlins category in that division. Bet the Orioles for about the next week. That's my advice. It, the they Orioles, very good. They this play. is their time to shine. It, April it's, got cut short, it's which is season, much to baby. the detriment of the Orioles. They'll have an even worse year because they've got 12 fewer days, or what is it, <laughs> that six. Six fewer days of April baseball. I know. Right. Hutton every year our month. says this is uh, the, the, you'll, you'll sweep the Yankees or win two out of three. And I hope we don't Hutton's have response is always, that's, that's what we do in Baltimore. We win in April. Win in April. Once that calendar turns to May 1st, it's all over. Done. It's all downhill. But we, April, that's their month. We were discussing the uh, Orioles farm system. I looked at a projection that had the other four teams in the American League East all tied with 88 <laughs> wins. And the Orioles... 24 games behind, solo in last place. In honor of Hutton and the Orioles tomorrow, I'm going to do some extensive Orioles research for opening day. Well, they play it, Friday. It come in and, Don't uh, even well, worry about it. So for Friday, Friday I'll be ready. But I, I want to know what the hell is going on with the Orioles and how they don't improve at all. It seems really difficult not to improve, at least incrementally, skill, really. over the years, right? Even if you're losing top talent once they become free agents, you would think that when – the young talent matures to the level right before they bolt for a team that's going to spend more money. Yep. You would have some good seasons in there with those guys as they get a little bit. Uh, and the, the Orioles the have. Machado uh, Really, since Hutton became be a fan up. of the Orioles, they've consistently been in last place. In the well, they were, they were good Machado for about. Returned. They were good for about um, four or five months with Machado and then the, went into the following season and they traded him. Yeah, but like those returns should be paying dividends I agree. about now. Yeah, not good. They open against the Rays uh, on Friday. Nice uh, the two game. games that have been postponed, by the way, Yankees and Red Sox, as Paul mentioned, the other one is Minnesota-Seattle. That was postponed due to weather. So, that's, there you go. That's, that's the I'm one. I'm excited. I'm getting excited. I'll, uh, I'll be excited when I'm watching uh, the Braves play tomorrow night. You know, when it's on, yeah, you got, you got Masters finishing up, and then I'll turn it on and – Watch the Braves play the Red. And that, that's when I'll – I really cannot get excited about this opening day right now. Are it, they on the road? It's uh, – They're playing Cincinnati. Yeah, it's the Reds. I They're just, at home. I just said it. Yeah, it's the, the ring it's, ceremony. It's in, it's in Atlanta. You got a ring ceremony? I don't know. I'm sure it they're going to do something. A, I don't know if it's going to be this game. A banner going up, at least. Yeah. I would – honestly, I would say that's that. That's a good reason for I would for save that for a big weekend game. No, you don't save the banner. The banner has to go up before you play your first game. Yeah. Establish your playing Again. as World Series champion. I would also think that you would, you know. The Let game, me tell you how this is done. I, I would also think that the game would have to be played at, you know, 7 o'clock and not 7.08. But they make their own rules. So they, they, can make they, their they own don't rules know how to do a banner in Atlanta. Or, or a start time. <laughs> <laughs> Ban- no banners, no start times. We're going at 7.08 on the dot. Follow us on Twitter at Outkick360. That's how you can chime in on the show. Tiger Woods. Scheduled to tee off tomorrow morning 
It'll be just after 9.30 Central Time, 10.30 Eastern. I tease off with Louis Oosthuizen, who's always around the mix over the weekend. So uh, I'm fascinated just to see the crowd around Tiger and the mob trying to follow him around the course tomorrow. Um, Can't wait to watch this. Glued to it. I I was going to watch the Masters anyway. This guarantees that I'm watching Tiger's round, but also it's almost double the amount of time I would spend watching golf this week because Tiger's playing on top of the fact that the Masters are teeing off, which I'll be watching anyway. I got a little kids baseball tournament, which makes it much more difficult. Yeah, I've got a, a wedding I'll be in and uh, out of town this weekend, so um, that's going to make it difficult. But I, I'm going to be I'm going to be watching this. Uh, oh, the Masters closely. theme wedding. It's a Masters themed reception. Yes. Not, oh, the, not the wedding part, but the reception is more Masters themed. By the way, Dylan Taylor was some expert uh, research here. That burger for 151 dollars. Yeah. The significance: the Braves were founded in 1871. 1871 plus 151 equals 2022. So 151 years as a team. So next year. That's why it's 151. Next so, year will be 152. That's a little. Convol- so they were just that's looking, a little convoluted. They were looking for a. They account for an item to <laughs> charge 151 dollars for. Yeah. How much is the item? Where can I? Where yeah. can I get the item? Coming up, eight teams own 50 percent of the first round of the NFL draft. Paul, you're going to take us through the the first round map and we'll kind of run through the scenarios and who owns the first round. And of all years, is it a great draft to own all these top 50 picks? We've got that next on Outkick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. There is a, a lack of hype this year compared to years past. A normal draft going into the NFL draft that, that takes place later this month. Outkick 360 rolls on. Part of that is the quarterback situation. Another part is there is a, there's a chance this year more than ever, if you're a fan of a team, your team doesn't have a first-round pick. A quarter of the league, eight teams, has no first-round pick. Let's start with that. Part of it, too, not, not part of the nation's disinterest at this time or whatever, but on draft night... The, the home team, Las Vegas, doesn't have a first-round pick. That's tough. They don't have a pick yeah, for a that's, while. That's not good. Let's go through the have-nots first and talk about how dire this is for them or if they're in a good spot for having given up their, their first-round pick. First one's – I'm going division by division. Miami. Now, I, I think uh, – you know, for me, I think Miami's done a pretty good job of setting up a roster to maximize Tua's – Chances at success. It's not an extremely bad. I mean, everybody, let's be clear. Everybody wants a first round pick. Sure. Wherever it is in the first round, you want it over not having it. But I don't think Miami's in dire straits for not having a first round pick this year, considering all the additions that they've brought in. I agree. Um, 
And again, like it, it's not a, it's not a terrible draft to miss out on the first. To miss, yeah, and at least that's how I view it. Just thirty thousand foot view early on. Now, five years from now, it may turn out to be the greatest draft of all time for skilled positions. Who knows? Well, certainly, if you're missing out on a high pick, it's not a terrible draft because there's not this firepower, star power at the top. But Miami, what do you think, Chad? It's that's a team that's done good work this offseason. Yeah, no, I, I think so. They remain relevant, even though they're they really have no business being relevant right now. Yeah, I mean, they, compared to the rest of the AFC, they were you know right there in the playoff hunt until the very end, despite being bad. Yeah, and, and Tua's not great. No, I mean, you know, that's not. They they've done a lot this offseason, no doubt about it. That it's interesting though. You talk about the twenty five percent of the league not having that first round pick. I really do think that that plays into – it's not a lack of interest because we're going to see the ratings sure. skyrocket like it does every lack year when we get to the draft. But the buildup, yeah, it, it's, it's two factors, right? We, we've been pointing to the lack of top quarterback talent at the top of the draft being one factor. This is the other one. The fact you've got a quarter of the league that's not going to pick in the first round, not going to pick on that opening night. Who else, Paul? Cleveland. I mean, you go get the quarterback – that, that uh, talent-wise is, is a top, top guy setting aside all the things sure. that come with him, you're perfectly willing not to have a, a first-round pick. And that's a pretty good roster. Proven quarterback. Um, they have Amari Cooper that they've brought in this offseason. It's a solid roster that is built to win. And they were missing the quarterback link. They've got that guy from a performance standpoint. Top five in the league. Worth it. On the field. Uh, Indianapolis. Indy could use it. Could, could they, definitely they, use it. I think they're going to be hurting for it um, when you consider what they've done this offseason. You know, you've got Ursay defending the offseason plan. Um, they, they screwed up by going with wins in the first place, but it ended up being the first-round pick that they lost. That's, this is the first team where I think, yeah, they – they need a first-round pick to to enhance, especially on I, offense, what's going on at quarterback, and they need weapons for Matt Ryan. Yeah, I totally agree. It's a great, it's a great draft, I think, for wide receiver. Even if you got to wait a couple months on guys rehabbing, but Indy's missing out on that talent. I think they need an instant difference maker at wide receiver. Yeah, and in, in the first round, that, that they and, could use and that. corner. Yep. Even that said, they're not terrible. You know, they, they could be in worse shape. Las Vegas doesn't have a first-round pick. Hosting, which which uh, adds, yeah, but, adds a little bit to it, but they went and got the best wide receiver in the game. Exactly. So that's a trade off you're going to make. Denver, also in that division, doesn't have a first round pick. They went and got the quarterback. You're, and they're going to take Denver the needs a first round pick, but they have the offensive weapons though. Yeah, they went and got the quarterback, and they kept their wide receiving core intact. Um, you know. It, if you're if they're drafting a running back, you don't have to do that in the first round. Defensively, I mean they're they're pretty, pretty solid uh, pretty on good. defense, and I, I like their secondary along with their pass rush and what they've done this offseason. I don't know about Randy Gregory, um, no, but like. you know again, I, I don't look at Denver as like I do Indy. Um, they went and got the quarterback, and they have their skill position uh, playmakers intact. Chicago does not have a first round pick. Yeah. There's a team that yes <clears throat> that is not a good situation. Los Angeles Rams, San Francisco 49ers, both not uh, both in the NFC Championship game, one defending Super Bowl champion. This is part of why. 
Yeah. Uh, well, not in San Francisco's case. It gave it up for a quarterback it didn't play. What was uh, the Rams uh, like to say? F, F them picks. F, F that's them what they picks. say. All right, so here are the teams. That's what you have. And the cap. Here yes. are the teams with <laughs> two. Exist. Let's go back to the AFC East. The Jets have number four and number 10, and they need them. The Jets have to break through at some point. <laughs> I mean, all these picks and having top picks like that. How many times Jets fans have heard that? They've that's gotta, why they got to break through. To some, I'm not saying, you know, Super Bowl, cap, but they need to be a playoff team or challenge for the playoff sometime soon. I mean, they have these top picks, and it, they're still trying to go and trade for. A wide receiver. Top wide receiver. They're, they're ready to give up number 10 in the second round, yeah. it sounds like. Houston has three and 13. They're, that's a no-brainer. Yeah. I mean, they need them. Kansas City has 29 and 30. Could see a scenario where they package those maybe to go up and get the wide receiver that they want. Or are they, are they one of the teams that could trade a pick and bow out and, and gain picks later in the draft? Well, they have had a lot of success drafting in the you know day two, and those are prime spots twenty nine and thirty. If quarterbacks linger, that somebody comes and gets a quarterback because you get the fifth year option. And the, the Kansas City, what will be overlooked but shouldn't, they've set themselves up with options with those picks, and they can also move out and get something for a, 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 maybe a, a team that's trying to jump in and chase a quarterback, right? But they fixed their offensive line situation in an overhaul last offseason. Brought in, what, four new starters. Um, started two rookies. Maybe three to begin the season. The one guy got hurt. Because they've hit on their offensive line and they feel like they have the solutions in place, they don't have to rush and you know immediately grab a guy here or there. They can le- legitimately go best available. Probably. Which is unusual for a team with two first-round picks. Normally, you're, you're targeting that. They have two seconds also, I think. They're going to yeah. have to have a receiver somewhere in there. But, yeah, they could take uh, – and at 29 and 30, you could take the yeah. best available and a receiver yep. because you got nobody in between you. Philadelphia – you can bolster your defense, too. Philadelphia, I feel like one of those two picks, though, if they keep them, has to be a receiver. To be receiver. One of the, the, the first two. Philadelphia, we talked about last week when they made the trade, have 15 and 18 – Mm-hmm. This allows. Th- this is one of the most intriguing teams because we don't know how good they are. It depends. I, I, and they, they were a playoff team, but they were the playoff team that wouldn't have gotten in in the old format. Snuck in. Yeah, but they're in that division that, I mean, if you're in that division right now, you feel like you're a contender. Right. But how good's the quarterback? You find out this year if he's the quarterback or if you're going to be using next year's two first-round picks, I believe, yep. to go to – go Position yourself to get the quarterback. 15, 18, uh, you know, can help yourself a lot there. And you're, like you said, you're in a division where uh, there's no clear cut. I mean, Dallas is the best team talent wise, but they don't, I don't think, scare you, particularly if you're a division foe that plays them twice not, a year. Yeah, those, it they, seems that the Eagles are hedging with, with Jalen Hurts. They've done a smart thing smart to hedge and, and give him this year to see what happens, uh, but they're hedging at the quarterback position. And I'm with you, Hod. Not, I mean, in that division, who knows? Well, it's wide open. Yeah. You know, you, it's the same way you would feel um, with, with some of the, the, you know, if you're in the AFC East, for instance, um, you, you've got three teams in the AFC East that feel like they're competing for a legitimate playoff spot. So uh, Philadelphia is going to watch three other picks come off the board in their division first. Giants have two of them, five and seven. The last of the, no, second to last of the two pick teams. 
Five, we've talked about being a prime trade pick if somebody wants to get up and get the first quarterback because Carolina is presumably taking a quarterback at six. After all the discussion about how there would not be a quarterback top 10, I agree with what you're saying. I I agree with where the talk's headed. Teams always overvalue quarterback because of the position. It's so necessary that you're always going to reach for the QB. Usually and you'd Carolina overvalue it has to missed. one. Carolina continues to miss at quarterback. Usually you'd overvalue it all the way up to one. This year you're going to overvalue it to five or six. That's the difference this yeah. year. It goes down five spots. Well, and this may be a year where none of these quarterbacks are first-round level. Yeah. That should all be second, third-round guys, but they're going to go in the top ten because it's quarterback. Here's the thing, <laughs> too. Not because they should right. or that, you know, they belong there, but – Someone's going to be so needy, they're going to have to take someone, it's going to go early. And I'm not projecting big things like most people aren't for Pickett or Willis, but imagine if Pickett or Willis turns out to be really good and the Giants uh, take something else at five or trade out of five while finally committing some time and some continuity to Daniel Jones, who then sucks, and they will have passed on, on one of those two quarterbacks under new uh, management at the uh, under new management. Yeah. Yeah. And they're giving Daniel Jones his go, but they could well again be drafting in this range next year, five and seven for the giants. Lastly, green Bay, which feels a lot like Kansas city, Kansas city's 29 and 30 green Bay is 22 and 28. Also in dire need, much more dire need than Kansas city. Of receivers, I talked to some Green Bay people at the owners' meetings, reporters, who said they wouldn't be surprised to see Green Bay take two receivers, or two with their with their two two of their first three picks. And, and it seems like it's an obvious choice for them. Although in years past, every time we think they're going to go offense, they go defense. They've never been this needy. I know. Yeah. I mean, they literally have blanks on their roster. Yes. At, at wide receiver. Who, who's their top wide receiver? The guy they got back from Houston. Um, what, Randall Cobb? Yeah. Who's not very good. I mean, uh, Valdez Scantling is gone. Devontae Adams they is gone. They have Lazard and Lazard and, and he's, Cobb. he's Cobb. good in Green Bay because of the relationship with Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, but he's still not. I don't think he's top, that valuable he's not for a anyone top else. Flight guy. No, not at all. But I mean, they he's a top flight guy. His value is highest with Aaron Rodgers because they, of their relationship. They also could take a tight together. end if they if they want. They, they could use a pass catching tight end. Tanyan's coming off an injury. Um, and he's, and, he's and signed a one year deal, maybe. Yeah, and he's not going to be a start of the season guy either. So they need targets first and foremost, for Aaron Rodgers to get relationships developed with. And they need guys who are going to contribute right away. They're not, they got to find receivers. Like Olave strikes me as a guy who projects to be pretty quickly ready. 22, maybe his range. I've seen him going 16-ish. I've seen him going 25-ish. I, I would think if somebody like that's there at 22 and they like him, that would seems to me like an ideal guy. And the Titans, what they've done this offseason, they've kept their options open as well at their pick. I'm thinking 26. Uh, Chad, your what thoughts? I don't want to happen, but it's going to be a damn guard. Yeah, you think it's offensive line, Chad? <laughs> I hope not. Uh, <laughs> needs just to be given the track record. I mean, it, it, it needs to be, but, man, 
Got some swings and misses at uh, at offensive well, that, that, line. There's the opposite. That's part of the reason it's it's still a well, need. and you can't. Yeah. There's the opposite of what let, the Chiefs have done. You can't let your past mistakes dictate what you do in the future. Also, no. I mean, I get that you got to draft what you need, and they need offensive line. So yeah, here's I the mean, big it's probably going to be offensive line. Here's the big thing about offensive line: if they draft a guy who can play both guard and tackle, I'm going to be furious. They need to know what Dylan Raiden's yes. last year's second rounder is. If they're going to draft an offensive lineman, I want them to draft. If they're drafting to replace Roger Saffold, that's fine. Draft the best guard you can get. But this thing where they're going versatility, everybody, oh, we got a guard tackle, and he can play either spot, and Dylan can play either spot, and we'll sort this all out. Now, I want you to get a guy who plays a spot and yeah. say, this is our new left guard. He replaces Roger Saffold, which means that Dylan Radins is our right tackle, which is what we drafted him for in the first place. When on draft day, we never talked about guard. The only, or, the only or Dylan Radins has become our left guard, and here is our new right tackle. But if they draft a guy and they say, he can play either, Dylan can play either, we'll sort this out in camp, then I think they don't know what either of these guys are, and that gives me great concern. The one possibility that I throw out there, Paul, though, that I, I wouldn't mind for the Titans would be, Someone who can play guard or center. Center, yeah, because Ben Jones. So you bring a guy in a guard this year that's your best available guy is a first round pick, and he's a good guard. But then you've got your long term solution at center when Ben Jones is done. That that would be the one that I would be okay with. I'm with you on the the guard tackle hybrid. Well, I think Uh, that's Zion Johnson, right, from Boston College, who again is connected. Mike Vrabel knows Boston College intimately because his son is a tackle there, a tackle, not a tackle guard, not a guard center. He's a tackle. He's a year or two away. But Zion Johnson is a guard who can play center. He's the guy you're talking about. He can be Ben Jones's replacement, ultimately, if, if that's what you're looking for. But he can be your left guard this year. And Dylan Radins needs to be the damn right tackle. But I'm telling you, they don't know what Dylan Radins is yet. Mike Vrabel said at the Combine, he can't start as of today. Well, if he can't start as of today, part of that is they don't know what damn position he is. What an enigma Dylan Radins has become. I mean, the guy didn't play the one year, right? You hear a small school, didn't play a year, give him a chance. You know, getting and they still don't know. I mean, what did he do in that year? He stood did, in front of the heater a lot, did he taking it away a, from guys who were dressed for game I mean, action. did he leave the country on a mission trip and uh, that no one knows what he is as a football player anymore? I mean, it's just very odd. My qualification. They don't know what he is at this point. Big school, played a lot, very healthy. That's my checklist. My, my guess is they know what he is and they don't want to admit it. Well, then he's gone. And it's, it's, not, it's not good. If they don't want to admit it, that's, then he's a guard it, because they drafted exactly. him to be a right tackle. But exactly. whenever they drafted him, he came to OTAs, and they were praising him. I say they. Like, the talk was, man, this guy is really catching on to, you know, the individual coaching, and, you know, he's, he's taking that from the classroom to, you know, OTAs and minicamp. Then they put pads on. Yeah, and then, exactly. And then they put pads on, had some joint practices, and never went back. Faded, 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 faded. Listen, it's inactive. I'll say this. They did a good job drafting Nate Davis, and he wasn't from a big school. Sure. He's from Charlotte. He needed a little time, and he was dinged up at the beginning. He sat out the first four games. They put him in the lineup. Steadily has gotten better to the point uh, got, got an all-pro vote, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And he's an unquestioned right guard, not, not an issue. Do that again. I don't really want it in the first round. He was third round. Do it in the third round after you draft a great wide receiver in the first round. And then draft a great tight end in the fourth round. I'll be happy. Nick on the YouTube page says, I don't care where Raidens plays, but he needs to start. I agree entirely. Just uh, You've got to get value out of him. Right? You, and it's, it's hard for me, Paul, to look at the, the Raidens selection in the second round and think that they don't view him as position X, whether that's guard or tackle, going into year two. I, I, I agree. He's got, to, he's got to be a factor in year two where you plug and play him and it's not some, well, if this, then that. I think he's got a delicate psyche it, then. There has to be huh, a... Because they won't say it. And the only reason to not say it is either but, to be a that's complete not true. jerk with the press or no, that's, because he's, he's not. He doesn't have a delicate soft. psyche. He, he filled in and started in a massive game yeah. against San Francisco and played, I mean, wasn't great, fine. but fine, uh, left tackle. Yep. So I, I don't think it's the psyche. I just don't think that they... The and player that showed up in training camp was not the player they thought they were drafting. That's Two the years only in a row. Way, that's the only way uh, you can take the way his rookie season went. That's two years in a row. The player they drafted the, the year before was a first-round pick. The guy who showed up wasn't the player they thought they were drafting in Isaiah Wilson. That's a troubling but, trend. You know, Raidens was you know, the butt of the joke, but at least for, for his sake of the argument, when given an opportunity to step in and play – and start in a massive moment where he, he, he found out that day, right? Yeah, because um, he, he, he did well, and that was against Lawan's the 49ers. back went Pass bad, run. and Kendall Lamb had co- got COVID. Yeah. All in short order, on a short week. So, again, like I, I don't know how you don't isn't see it, that and think, you know, this guy can, isn't can be it a weird, starter though? for us. Isn't it weird that they didn't you know, want to play him, wasn't ready, whatever, forced into action, plays well, and then – Back into the offseason where uh, we don't know what he is. It's just odd to me. It's fishy. Because the one bit of evidence was good where he played tackle. It's, it's, it's weird. Good, but clearly not good enough to gold star him and say, put him in at right tackle. We've let our left guard go. That's our need. And on we go. There is an adjustment in Major League Baseball. Um, and what we will see moving forward minor in, in minor leagues, but Major League Baseball is, is considering this yep. with the bases. And it's, it's worthy of a discussion because 90 feet isn't necessarily 90 feet. We'll explain next on Outkick 360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Second base is moving in the minor leagues. How will that impact Major League Baseball moving forward? Outkick 360 rolls on. John McClain joins us in 15 minutes, NFL headlines with John. Looking forward to that chat. After. Fresh off of John McClain Day. Yeah, John McClain Day in Houston. Houston. Um, Paul, 90 feet is not necessarily 90 feet. No. So in 1887, <laughs> to tidy things up, 
first and third base. Abner Doubleday. <laughs> first and third base were repositioned. So, you know, if it was 90 feet, it would uh, it, that would run right into the middle of the back. But first and third base were tucked inside for fair and foul to be very easy, yeah. and that threw that off. Well, second base wasn't tucked anywhere. Second base stayed kind of in that midpoint. I don't know if, uh, if Jacob has the graphic to put up for people who are – who are watching, it's easier to kind of see where second base is here, first and third tucked inside, but second base never moved. So what they're going to do in the minor leagues at midseason is move second base in. And moving sec- and, and second base isn't 90 feet now. It's 88 feet, 1.5 inches. And they're, they're enlarging the bases too, right? So they're going to move it to 87 feet where they tuck it in. And then they're expanding the bases from 15 inches to 18 inches. So all in all, when they do this, the distance will be 13.5 inches less, a little over a foot less. What does it do to base running? You know, you gain a foot. So does that prompt you to run I mean, a little bit more yeah, with your I mean, fast guys? Well, I, yeah, I, would I, think, think. I think so. And it, I mean, it, it, they're, they're really doing away with the skilled catcher in Major League Baseball because we'll, we'll, well get to this. it's all about framing. Well, it's, it's framing, but they're, they're also testing out what Vanderbilt and others have done in college baseball with, you know, you have the pitching coach who will signal in the, the pitch instead of the catcher. Um, and we'll, we'll get to that in a moment. But, but you don't have to throw as much because they're not stealing as much. So Yeah, but they're, they're, I would steal more now. I think, now. I think runs go up, too, because you can get second, and that should manufacture runs. Yeah, they wouldn't yeah. be – Doing it if it didn't help offense, if they weren't forecasting it to help If offense. this was a move to push it back, yeah. you know, where it was before, it was there, and now we want to go a more true way to go back with it, they wouldn't do it. They wouldn't mess with it. I think because it's, very it's a Because it's a common sense thing to do and it uh, could improve offense, up. that's why they're doing it. Yeah. The bases being bigger is interesting yes. to me because, I don't know, I feel like you might have – some early slip-ups with uh, guys turning two or trying to step on the bag where normally nowhere to st- stand right on the edge of it mm-hmm. and they trip themselves up you know, a little bit more. I mean, I know I'm probably overthinking it, but I feel like that three inches would be big to a guy who's played their entire life with a certain the base that's a certain – yeah, they know – they don't really have to look down. They know where the base is. They know the geometry of it. And now suddenly it's getting to them three inches quicker. Do you think we'll see them. it? Like, are we going to see three-inch bases watching a game on TV? No. Yeah, I don't think so either, which is a relief to me because I think if they looked bigger, it would be almost cartoonish, and it would really bother me because we're so used to it. So maybe the players are bothered by it a little bit, like you're talking about, but if it bothered me, I would have a really hard time with it, even though I think this is for the good of the game um, and and will ultimately be beneficial. I I think when they do the close-up, you know, the, the tags or, you know, guys beating out a throw. I think you'll see it then, but I don't think it's going to be that noticeable because there's not a big uh, contrast to it. When you get that close to something, you know, you're not going to see it where with everything else around it to have perspective. So I don't think it's going to make a difference. Hey, I'm all viewing. for them doing minor things in the minor leagues to see how it works out. And the intent is for this to work out and for them to bring it to the majors. But if for some reason it doesn't, they won't. Now, they made this adjustment in one league last year, but they didn't say it. They didn't advertise it. And so things didn't change. Now they're trumpeting that it's happening. So everybody's going to know. 
You know, last year it, it was there, but but a coach didn't have it in his head. Hey, I've got an extra foot here, and a runner didn't have it in his head that he's got an extra foot, and and steal percentage went up maybe three points. So the the other thing that they've done in college baseball, some, and I, I Tim Corbin likes it, and it, it seems as though Vanderbilt pitching likes it. The pitching coach, more more or less, there's a uh, to describe this. It's a it's a watch or a device that the the pitcher wears on the inside of his glove or right on his wrist, wrist. on his glove hand, and he can look down, and the pitching coach from the dugout can you know type a number in, and that number pops up on your wrist, and it tells you what pitch to throw. To to me, that takes a that, there's a nuance to that with a scouting report with a catcher that is being removed. Now you're making it easier, even if it's by a couple of inches, you're making it easier on the base runner to steal. Much more difficult on the catcher. More, I mean, am I wrong in thinking they, they're almost getting to a point where it's just, if you're, if you're catching, just don't let the ball pass you. Well, it's all pitch frame. Pitch framing is huge now. I, I read a lot about it because the Yankees had so much trouble with Gary Sanchez, who they finally got rid of. Yeah, but, and he was costing the Yankees strikes at but a even, ridiculous degree. But correct me if I'm wrong, and, my, and there are some minor league teams that are doing uh, the – the, the computerized strike zone, right? Aren't uh, they working that out some? I, I think maybe at the very, very low level, they're starting to get into it. But I, I, I know what you're saying. I don't like that the catcher wouldn't necessarily be calling the game, though I'm not sure that some of these catchers aren't getting it from the bench anyway at some levels. This, yeah, to me, sign stealing has now, the baby. potential to speed up the game because there's so many damn conferences yeah. And there's so much worry about a guy on second stealing it yeah. or, or nefarious ways of stealing it. If this has any chance of speeding up the game, go. Yeah, I, I'm with you. Anything that speeds up the pace of play, I, I'm for it. I, I think this is one thing that would do that. I mean, there and were it, some teams giving up third base last year in certain situations to get a guy yeah. off second when that run's not that important to get rid of the potential for sign stealing, which is ridiculous. I agree. Well, and at Vanderbilt, if you're not calling plays, the catcher frees up time to you know, look and see if a sticker fell off a bat <laughs> and call it out, <laughs> which uh, apparently the, the, the catcher noticed that Tennessee was joking about in this last series. Now, I, I like it because it, it's going to make things quicker. I also find it weird. I think it's weird that you have a device on your wrist that gives you the pitch from Honestly, the dugout. Honestly, I didn't realize how until that, you does, said it. It doesn't. You, you, Paul, you talk about inorganic or not yeah. part of the game. You know, something that's uh, not consistent with the game happening in an overtime. You know, just taking the ball yeah. somewhere or uh, you know, p even penalty shots. You know, at times you, you're not liking that. This to me feels very inorganic to the game of baseball. Yeah. with a guy in the dugout with a scouting report. Uh, putting into a device the number of the pitch he wants the pitcher to throw and him looking at his I'll wrist every time. I'll make the trade-off for the pace of play. I didn't realize, Hutt, until you said, though, that it was a readable thing. I thought it was like a, a vibration, like that you would no, get. No, the that way you would I understand get, you know, it. Like a one for a fastball and a two for uh, off-speed. No, three the way I understand curve. I mean, the, the uh, at least from the way Vanderbilt was doing this early in the season, last I you know, read about this, is there is a number that will pop up and they just look at the number. And the pitcher the and the catcher. Yeah, so it's like fingers down. Yeah, because yeah. the catcher needs to be on the same page too, obviously. Sure, yeah. I think, I think even infielders get it. What you know, because, you could... because the, the shortstop needs to know if he's playing a step, step different for off speed or, or not. 
some way to infiltrate that device to hack it to where Whoa. it sends two different signals. The Astros you get fastball and curveball to yeah. them, and you got the Astros catcher setting can. up outside. Astros have a little garbage can symbol that also comes up on, <laughs> on their uh, wristbands. Hit us up on Twitter at Outkick360. Give us your thoughts on that. Um, yeah, I, I don't know how I feel about the taking the, the catcher out of it to this extent. And also, sign stealing, like, to me, that's just part of the game. I, if People have become if, obsessed with avoiding it. And I, I realize it's not like sportsmanship quality, but if I can pick up on your signals, that's your problem. Right, like no, that's I how I view that. But don't, so people have gone to such extremes now, at trying to not get their signs stolen that but, there are three meetings an inning, and uh, they change the indicator fifteen times, and it's bogged yeah. It and down. some of this is now it's, it's you can paranoia. go down the, you can go down the hallway and see the signs, right? Like that's on, on the TV monitor. Yeah. I'm saying why well, why are anymore. teams not right, better? not anymore? But that, that some of the some of the paranoia is due to that. Why are teams not better at picking up on steel signs? From the third base coach, I think. I wonder some that if you, are. you can still. Uh, I, I'm sure it's picked up at times. I think. I think they're probably good at changing the indicator. You know, every single game, the, the what the indicator is. What's you know the, now after it's it, more that's complex what's real. than we think. Yeah, but still, uh, you could have someone watching a season's worth of a guy at third base and know what Belichick. Know what's going on. Belichick yeah. film those bad boys and break them down. Absolutely, it changes tomorrow though. Plenty of NFL headlines coming up across the uh, final hour. We dive into those with John McClain of the Houston Chronicle, TexasSportsNation.com. Uh, he just wrote his final column for the Chronicle, and he just celebrated John McClain Day in Houston. John McClain <laughs> is next on Outkick 360. <laughs> 